Hello and welcome to Inside the Artist Studio. My name is Sean Davis Newton here for the Cups and Cakes Network. Today I'm excited to share an interview that I did back in December with Ellen Fraze, who's a fantastic uh, singer-songwriter, does some great folk and country-inspired stuff out of Saskatoon. Uh, we talk about all kinds of things. Whenever I talk to somebody from Saskatoon, as you'll hear, we go off on a million tangents about uh, shared memories of landmarks and people from there. Uh, we talk about uh, her, her obsession with Elvis as a young kid. And, uh, and we talk about uh, how she spent a lot of COVID working her way through a bit of a slump and then uh, got herself out of that to make some great, great new recordings, uh, one of which you'll hear at the end of this episode. Of course, there is some foul language in this one, so listener beware. And if you want to hear more episodes of this podcast or other audio, video, and written content, you can head on over to the Cups and Cakes Network website. That's cupsandcakespod.com. One more time, that's cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. Here's my interview with Ellen Fraze. Um, hello, I'm Ellen Fraze. I am in Saskatoon, and I'm a folk musician. Perfect. Well, uh, th- thanks for uh, thanks for coming on inside the artist studio, <laughs> um, Ellen. Uh, if my voice sounds kind of <laughs> fucked, it's because it's just a little bit fucked. <laughs> um, really? Yeah, I smoked a lot of cigarettes the past three days. <laughs> Oh, you have a sore throat? Yeah, yeah. I, I mentioned this uh, right right before we kind of officially started, but I was recording a record over the weekend, so it was uh, a good amount of work. Yeah, you said 16-hour days. Was it like party record recording, or was it very focused? I, I think I kind of anticipated that it was going to be kind of party record recording, and then it was like I think everybody just understood that, like, there was just so much work to do. There was like not right. time. <laughs> yeah, three days. <laughs> yeah, it was it was yeah. really zippy quick. But uh, we'll we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about some recording that you're doing here a, a little later on in the show, which is pretty exciting. Um, but for now, yeah. let's uh, we'll we'll kind of dive into a little rapid fire section here. Cool. This is exciting. <laughs> Is there a is there a specialty dish that you like to cook or bake that uh, that you think reminds people of you? Fuck, I suck at cooking. I just like <laughs> I'm trying to get better at so many aspects of my life right now. And oh well, no, I actually baked <laughs> baked oatmeal a couple times. Have you ever had it? I have not had baked oatmeal. <laughs> <laughs> I come from, like, a Mennonite background, and it's, like, very, like, bland foods. (laughs) And so I can't deal with a lot of spice or anything, so it's a lot of bland stuff. But baked oatmeal is just, like, you basically just, like, bake oatmeal into a pan, and then you heat it up in the morning, and you put, like, berries and shit on top, and it's just tasty. Yeah, we we have a little bit of that similar background. My mom's uh, got that that Mennonite blood. (laughs) Yeah, it's my mom, too. Yeah, it's funny for me. It was always just like a a, a Zuma borscht kind of. Mm-hmm. That's the food I associate with that all the time. Yeah, and pierogies. And pierogies, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. 
Is it just your mom's side? Sorry, I like. Oh yeah. Now I'm asking all these questions. <laughs> it, it is. Um, yeah, my my dad's from the UK, and then my mom, specifically uh, her her dad. It was like uh, the family story about it is that he was kind of the uh, you know the the first one off the farm moving into the big city. The parents didn't ap- didn't approve of his of his big city wife, so he was not gifted a cow. Uh, for his marriage. Um, <laughs> Classic. Yeah, yeah. A harsh punishment. Um, yeah, no cow. Th- my dad is from Holland. Oh, okay. So we have s- a lot of similarities happening already. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think. <laughs> so far. Uh, do you prefer tea or coffee? I'm drinking coffee right now and preferred. <laughs> Have you have, have you have you uh, have you been a coffee drinker for a long time, or is that something that you kind of came into a little a little later in life? No, it's been a long time. Yeah, like probably. Well, no, I don't know what's a long time. I, it was high school, and once I started, it was like a lot of cups of coffee a day. I get that. I it was very recent thing for me i was like an energy drink boy in in high oh. school yeah no good <laughs> um, but nice. uh yeah nothing i i did not really understand i think the potency of a cup of coffee until very recently and it is extremely useful yeah i literally don't like i just throw some coffee grounds in the thing and then you know sometimes it comes out really strong sometimes it's weak and <laughs> i still drink Equal amounts of it. I think I have a weak cup right now. <laughs> what's the uh, what's the weirdest job you've ever had? Oh, I've had a lot of just like... I did like Tim Hortons and Booster Juice and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, I worked at a... Oh, this is... My Mennonite background is just so strong sometimes. I like can't <laughs> avoid it. But I worked at like a pierogi store. Okay. Literally... Yeah, I, like, would make pierogi filling in giant pots every Saturday. <laughs> and it, would that have been in Saskatoon, or...? Yeah. Is that... Yeah. I... So I'm I'm from North Battleford, originally. Oh, um, cool. I know of exactly one pierogi store in Saskatoon on the west side. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they they are pierogies. Yeah, they've got some killer fruit pierogies there. <laughs> they really do. Yeah, it was awesome. I loved working there. It was great. <laughs> We're kind of niche. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the what's the first car you ever owned? Ford Focus. Okay. Yeah. How, do you do you still have it or or what happened to it? No, I sold it. Last year, in favor of a van that has, like, a a bed and a sink and stuff in the back of it, so I can, like, tour around and be an introvert in there. Oh, that's fun. I It's funny. Yeah. I get really used to uh, nobody's first car, like, meets a good end. <laughs> um, but oh. it's, like, uh, I think you're one of the first people who actually, like, sold it. And it's fine. Yeah, I don't know. I really love that car. <laughs> My parents <laughs> bought it for me in high school. Uh, they didn't give me a choice of like what car it would be. And then they're like, okay, you owe us 200 bucks a month until this is paid off. Yeah. So that's how that went. It took me a long time. I was like, are you serious? Like, how old was I? 16? It's like, 
200 bucks a month? Like, how? <laughs> but then one day it was paid off. I don't know. That's kind of that's kind of a fun parenting decision. Because, like, you you learn to pay, like, some real expenses when you're, like, you know, in high school still. Yeah, I think it was a, probably a good parenting decision. It's just, like, the, yeah, yeah. the consistent payments. <laughs> what, uh, are, are you the kind of person who, like, takes good care of a car with like oil changes and such things or or uh or, or not really i think i take good care of the like motor and outside of the car but the inside of the car is a different story <laughs> like it gets really rank in there sometimes yeah i'm, I'm definitely guilty of that yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i would just smoke in there constantly too i used to and i would tour <laughs> And yeah, it was, it was pretty right. <clears throat> oh God, my throat! <laughs> did you uh, did you tour in that car too? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I had to borrow a friend's van if I wanted to bring a full band, but you could fit right fit a few people in the Ford Focus. Yeah. Uh, if you could put together a like a a fantasy like show lineup and pick any kind of handful of bands and put them on a bill together uh what what kind of bands would you pick oh all my favorite musicians are likely not alive am i allowed to pick dead people yeah yeah we'll say that's okay well, no preferred alive no no yeah alive or dead okay uh oh hard question <laughs> well i'll go with this year my favorites Cut Worms, he's alive. Uh, he would be on my... Do you know him? I don't, know. He's awesome. He's like a folk country thing. Love him. Um, oh, God. Joni Mitchell's still alive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Joni's still alive. I there. don't know how her performance would be. But I guess I won't know until I attend this show. Um... And Arthur Russell. He's dead. Yeah, you got one person who's still one alive. One who's in still there. alive. Not performing, but still alive. Yes, not performing. So one zombie, Joni Mitchell, and just this guy that <laughs> just sings folk music. Yeah, yeah sounds nice. Yeah. Um, is there a is there a social media account that you follow that that brings you some joy when you scroll past it? Well, all of them bring me too much joy, which is why I spend a lot of time scrolling Instagram. <laughs> I used to follow a bunch of like mom Instagram accounts, like okay. fancy moms parenting, and it, I would just get sucked into that. But I had to unfollow all of them. It's too what, much. What kind of stuff is even like? on those it's just like hot fancy moms showing off their like hot fancy kids and like <laughs> i don't know it's just bizarre they like they're like big captions about like their parenting struggles i don't know why it was so like i don't know it really got me <laughs> yeah um do you uh do you prefer sports board games or video games video games 
Okay, what's uh, what, what kind of video games do you like playing? Um, well, right now I'm kind of in that phase where I like need a new game. Yeah, yeah. I had the whole Animal Crossing thing. I like farming games. I yeah. played Breath of the Wild, and I started Skyrim, but I came into video games late, so Skyrim right. was a little bit too hard for me. Okay, yeah. How did you find Breath of the Wild? Because I, I will say, like, I've, I've played Zelda games for just a long, long, long time. Yeah. And the start of that game is is really tough. Mmm. Are there, like, uh, difficulty settings? Maybe I... I, I don't think so. I, I think it might just be that playing other versions of that game, you get used to being able to be oh, really yeah. impatient. And you can just kind of rush in and do everything, and you, like, can't in that game? No, it was definitely hard. There were some, like, things where I had to make other people, like, play it for me, like, beat the bosses or whatever. But I yeah. love that it's just, like, a giant open world. Well, you can you can kind of just get lost in it, and there's not really any pressure to do any specific thing, which is kind of relaxing in a way. Yeah, there really is no pressure. You don't have to. You don't have to do shit. You can kill some goblins forever. It, so if, if you came late to video games, do you remember, like, what was the first game that kind of, like, hooked you? Well, it started out with, like, my partner got me a DS for tour, and it was, like, those, okay. like, Zelda games on the DS, and it was like, whoa, this is awesome. <laughs> it was probably, like, 22 at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, I would play Sims and stuff on the computer yeah but never like an actual like video game controller game yeah okay yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i never i never could do sims i don't know why there's the, mm. just the some... best <laughs> were, were you someone who would like make ver again this might uh kind of give away that i don't really know how those games work but were you a person who would, like, make versions of people you knew in real life in the game? Yes. Yeah, for sure. I did... I've spent so much time playing Sims in my life. I do that. I do all the, you know, weirdest stuff. I'd make, like, vampires and... <laughs> but, yeah, thinking back, you know, making versions of people I know, like, that's kind of, like... Can you imagine if you went over to someone's house and they showed you, like, they had made you and your house... <laughs> Like, I don't think I'd be, hmm, I would be creeped out, but I would be like, you really think that looks like me? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think if if everybody didn't understand what The Sims was and what video games were, like, it is really kind of disconcerting to think about that. But yeah. I feel like it, it's kind of normalized just because everybody, like, everybody <laughs> does it too, right? Like, that's just how everybody plays those games. That's so true. Yeah, you'd, like, if you didn't really know, you'd picture, like, a weird creep, like, sitting in their house, like, in the darkness, like, making people on Sims. <laughs> but it's like, no, everybody is that creep when they play Sims. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do, you, do you have a hobby or pastime that uh, it might, might uh, feel a little unexpected from you, where either uh, you surprised yourself with it or other people might just... Uh, be surprised by it yoga and cross stitch okay 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. When did when did those come about? COVID. <laughs> yeah, that that tracks. <laughs> yeah, it's just like finally leaning into something that's just like, well, I've probably avoided these sorts of activities, but turns out it's actually good for me and I like it. <laughs> yeah, what was the attraction to yoga like? Did you kind of approach that from like a, a health and fitness standpoint? Um, uh, no, because I never thought that it would be that like hard to do. And I was right. wrong. Like, I thought it was more just like a meditative thing. And like during COVID, I would start like, you know how there's like 30 days of yoga on YouTube and stuff. Right. I like did a few months of that. And then I'd start like missing days and I'd be like, oh, something's wrong. Like, I just don't feel as well. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Kind of hate it. But <laughs> it's been like really good for my mental health. Were were you a person that did like regular exercise before that or? Well, I, yeah, I would play sports like as a kid and a teenager. Then as soon as I quit my last sport, which was softball, I just like didn't do sports for the next like five years. Yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe I like do miss that, but it's also like the thought of hard exercise is terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, I uh I'm with you on that one. It's yeah. uh Yeah, I I mean I I I try to just walk everywhere as best I can because that g- generally is something at least. Mm-hmm. Um but it's the kind of thing where it's like I like the idea of being a person who goes for runs, but I I like don't want to go for runs. Yeah, then it's like, uh, why force yourself? Like there's other ways. <laughs> Yeah, like, it's it's easy to get caught up on all these things of, like, ah, oh, but then I have to, like, buy, like, shoes to run in. And then I'm, like, a guy who owns nice running shoes, and that seems weird, even. Yeah. Oh, all the gear and, like, winter running. It's, like, it's, I don't know. I feel like in Saskatchewan, you kind of have to be committed to the lifestyle of being a jogger. <laughs> like, I'm not going to go out when it's winter like i'm just being realistic with myself it won't happen (laughs) i don't know (laughs) running in giant winter boots (laughs) yeah just like essentially five pound weights on your feet yeah (laughs) clonk 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 (laughs) yeah uh is is there an album that spurred your love of music a specific album oh i was a huge I was like an Elvis collector child. Like Okay. Yeah, just like it was specifically his I don't know, like there's these two like Elvis CDs, one was like the gold and one was like had like a black cover but it was like basically all his hits. Yeah. And I had like the second tier Elvis hit CD and I like wore it out. I was obsessed with Elvis. Like I would wear this like Elvis outfit around. It was like an intense <laughs> <clears throat> an intense obsession for a while. <laughs> How old would you have been at the time? I was four when I first heard Elvis. I remember it. it was yeah. Spe- yeah, strong memory. <laughs> Do you remember what song it was? It was Blue Suede Shoes. <laughs> Perfect, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I like that, you know, I, I think it's really normal for kids to get, like, really deep into one subject enough that, like, 
um, you know, I, I've got siblings that are like 10 and 12 years younger than me. And there's a oh, point wow. where they're like four or five and they know more things about dinosaurs than you do. Right. Like they can educate you about that stuff. It's just that that was, that was Elvis <laughs> for you. Yeah. That's actually so cool. Like, I wonder if we as adults would like, if we allowed ourselves to get that deep into something, like, could it still happen? Or is there something about being a kid that like, I don't know. Kids are awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big fan. It's, um, yeah. The number of times I think about like, well, you know, I could keep doing music stuff. Or I could go get an ed degree because I would just, like, have such a good time. <laughs> Doing an ed degree? Oh, just, yeah, like, teaching. Like, I, it's, it's oh, fun. Oh, I see. Right? I see. Yeah, sorry, I didn't connect those dots there. I was like, oh. do you think it would be fun to be in school to getting an ed degree? Well, yeah, probably might not. Be. You're right about that. <laughs> yeah, it might be. I guess it depends. But, yeah, being around kids all the time would probably be energizing and draining at the same time. You could learn a lot of things about dinosaurs and also Elvis. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, very last question then on, on the rapid fire side of things. Uh, is Are there uh, some uh, some bands or artists from your neck of the woods that uh, you, you really kind of like what they're doing right now? Want to give a little shout out to? Oh, yeah. There's a lot. A shout out. Ah! <laughs> now I'm feeling panicked to try and decide. I mean, I really like all oh, my good friends are in the local group. Okay. Which is, yeah, I'm trying to just not be as like a bluegrass and folk only person, but they're like a little bluegrass band. Um, Yeah, they're awesome. My uh, really good friend Jackson is in that band. And I think they're just great. Okay, cool. Yeah. Have they been around a while, or is that a fairly new endeavor? Oh, it's kind of new. It's It's been maybe a few years or more of that. But, yeah, they play a lot around Saskatchewan. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's swing on over then into the second half of things here. Um, cool. I, I guess uh, as good a start as any, uh, how... How is how has COVID been for you music wise? Like how how has that kind of affected your uh, uh, your kind of both live performance work and like recording and writing work? It's made me more intentional about my playing. Uh, going into COVID, I was in a real like songwriting slump, and I was kind of just burnt out with the whole thing. I had like done a lot of touring and. I don't know, there's, like, highs and lows in, like, being a musician. Sometimes it feels like nothing's happening, and it's just like, well, I could exist in this, like, uncomfortable state forever, or I could try something different. And then COVID hit, and it was awesome. I started playing video games constantly, <laughs> started doing cross-stitch, and I just, like, chilled out. I did feel a lot of guilt about not playing music. But near the end of it, I realized that, like, I loved music again. And then I slowly started writing songs again. It had been, like, probably two years of, like, just not, like, kind of being scared of songwriting or, like, feeling guilty about not doing it. How 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 long did that kind of COVID rest period last then before you, you kind of 
uh, felt good about things again. I feel like I'm only now feeling really good about things. Like maybe like this summer. Really like start. I mean, I started practicing and stuff before the summer, but it really like hit again that like. Well, and I also like career boosts also help with that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Are you someone who um, like before that period had a f- had like uh, any any kind of like writing or practicing like regimen or were you kind of a bit looser than that? No regimen. I, I started that this summer. Okay. And it's helped so much. It's been awesome. Yeah, if if you don't mind me asking, what what does that look like? Mm. Well, I fall in and out of it because I'm like, I have a really, really hard time with routines sometimes. Like, all I want in my life is just to be like, you know, have a routine, get up and like, but it doesn't always work that way for me. But, oh, this is kind of, I don't know how the general population feels about the artist's way. Have you heard of it? I have not. I'm not entire. it's like a book that was written in the 90s and it's like 12 weeks of basically just like writing prompts and exercises and a big part of it is like you have to journal three pages in a notebook every single morning. Gotcha. And it has to be like train of thought writing, like you're not allowed to read it back, you're just like writing and then also every week you have to take yourself out on like a artist's date, she calls it. <laughs> You can't bring anyone with you. You just have to go, like, do something fun for you. Yeah. And I feel like just those two things, like, even if people didn't want to, like, I don't know. Didn't want to, like, read the whole book. But it's been good for me. It's really helped, surprisingly. (laughs) Are are there certain types of things that you find that you like to go do as, as your kind of, like, artist date thing? Well, it's hard here because it's so cold and like COVID also. <laughs> so yeah, I've been dropping sure. the ball on that. I don't know. I would go to the art gallery, but then it's like, okay, I went to the art gallery. It's not like there's more than one here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I could go to a movie, go for a long walk, go shopping even, like just things on my own. Yeah, yeah. Has your, um, I, I guess, have you been playing much has has there been much going on in Saskatchewan in terms of live music? The main thing that I've been working on is like starting a honky tonk cover band okay. uh, with some of my pals, which has been the best. It's like monthly, and we play at Amigos every month and just play country covers, and it's so fun. So that's been the most consistent. <laughs> it is I I've been getting because. Like I'm, I'm a songwriter as well. Oh, cool. I spent a long time not learning covers, mm. um, and whenever I sat down to play, I would just like try to write something or practice stuff that I had written for shows, and and I've gotten much more back into learning covers and trying to record yeah. covers too. Is is there something that you find particularly valuable about? you know, learning other people's music? I feel like it's, like, the most valuable thing for songwriting in general, like, just listening to other people's music and, like, learning other people's songs. You, like, find little secrets in the songs, like, chord changes that you wouldn't expect, and then all of a sudden you're writing and you, like, 
maybe throw that little trick in your own song. Like, yeah, it's the best. I, I think that was another reason why I really wasn't songwriting because I like wasn't even listening to music or seeing live music or learning covers either. Right. Do you fairly consciously kind of like file those, those tricks away or is it more subconscious than that? Subconscious. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't even think about I think that's why it's important because it like seeps in there without you even like knowing. <laughs> right. Yeah. What do you think? I, I mean, yeah, like definitely subconscious, but I, I think um, in terms of like ar- arrangement and stuff like that, like I, because um, I, I spend about half my time doing songwriting stuff and then half my time oh, cool. re- recording and producing for people. Right. Um, and that kind of like arrangement producer brain thing, I, I, I think you get pretty analytical about stuff like for that record yesterday um she had one song that was kind of a like much slower um kind of you know sad acoustic song um and we were Mm -hmm. trying to figure out a vocal arrangement and then it's like oh well we can go to like one of these beach boys songs where they do this type of round uh vocal arrangement yeah and so maybe you try this kind of thing um right as opposed to, you know, if you learn one of those songs and then you sit down to do something, you just kind of have different vocabulary, I guess, harmonically that you feel right. like sounds normal. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Like hearing something that you really like and then like having a sort of library of things to reference. Yeah, for sure. And that definitely i think really comes into play when you're making recordings especially yeah totally um yeah speaking of making recordings (laughs) um, (laughs) smooth transition um you're uh you're uh you're working on some new stuff right now hey that's uh kind of started started in the latter half of the pandemic yeah so this summer i recorded two singles and one's already out Another one's coming out soon, and they may or may not be part of a full-length album. Um, and that album is about 70% finished, I would say. Okay, and that's because um, you recently started working with Victory Pool as well, correct? Yeah, yeah. So how did, how did that kind of relationship come about, I guess, first? Um, oh, I was at, this was a few years ago, I was at Folk Alliance. And I was doing those, like, dreaded one-on-one sessions. Have you ever done one of those? No, I know I haven't. Do you know what they are? Um, you know, I is it Focal Lines? Is that the name of the thing? Yeah. Okay, I don't know what that is, but I'm, I, I can take an educated guess about one-on-one sessions, yeah. I think. <laughs> you get, like, a timed, like, three minutes to give your, like, elevator pitch to the industry person or whatever. It's okay. just, like, a folk music conference. And... I met Carly. She was industry. Like she books folk on the rocks, which is a festival in one of the territories. Damn it. (laughs) Yukon, Yukon. Okay. Uh, Anyway, it was like my last session of the day and I was feeling like really burnt out because I don't like the concept of giving my like pitch to random people that I don't even know if I like them. (laughs) So we just were talking about, like, reality TV and, like, sitting in our hotel rooms 
for like yeah. those three minutes. And I felt like we just like became little pals. Yeah. And that's how I met Carly. And then I met Jesse. I was playing a show in Toronto and he just came up to me and was like, I can write you grants and stuff. And I don't know if I took him seriously at the start because <laughs> I think we were both partying that night. Yeah. But it all came back around and now they're my managers and they're awesome. You know, Jesse was actually the very first person I interviewed for this show. Ooh, really? Yeah, at least at least when I came on board, uh, the guy who runs Cups and Cakes used to do this show before me. But uh, okay, yeah, Jesse Jesse was the very first guy, and I've also I bought a bunch of gear from him over uh, a few years ago. Wow, yeah, he's very nice. Yeah, Very he, nice. <laughs> he he's a great songwriter too. Actually, he he writes Ooh. really really nice stuff. Mm. I need to listen to more of his music. It's Jesse and the Dandy Lines, or maybe he's changed that now. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know what he's what he's doing these days. But the last Jesse and the Dandy Lines record is is very good. Ooh, I will have to listen to it. So did did kind of. Uh, like formalizing that relationship then with victory pool did that um you know you talked a bit about like career advances help you know make you feel like it is maybe more (laughs) worth it to sit and work on making some new stuff did did that help push that forward oh 100 percent. it was like i don't know i've been like doing this like trying to do it completely professionally since i was really 17 and uh So it's been like almost a decade and it's like, you know, there's something about like doing it because you love it, but then it's also like reality sets in and you're like, yeah, I do need money. And like this sort of just came at the perfect time, which was really, really great. And yeah, it was like instant like excitement again and like started recording the album and like I started writing songs again because I was... I was like, okay, now I have something I need to write songs for. So who are, who are you doing those recordings with? Um, it's at, we were doing them at Rec Hall Studios in Saskatoon, and my good friend Jill Mack is recording it, and Sam Corbett of the Sheepdogs is producing and drumming on it. Oh, perfect. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> I feel like whenever I introduce someone from Saskatoon, there's always like a million... Uh, small little connections um, yeah. <laughs> that send the episode off in little tangents. But um, both my my dad and my stepdad used to play with Sheldon Corbett. Ah, oh, yes. Dad. I've been to Christmas um, parties at his house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> just a million small tangents like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, very cool. How 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 long ago did did actual recording in earnest start then? Well, it was a couple of weeks ago. Okay, so yeah, pretty so recent. we did a yeah we did like a full week ish in the studio, and well, I guess it, it was it was like nine to five work days because I mean Sam's got two little daughters now and like and it's kind of nice having that like cut off of like five p.m. like it's a work day honestly yeah yeah. So you don't go into sixteen-hour days like you had to do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm kind of curious then too, because um, I was I was thinking about this a lot this weekend, uh, produ- producing a record for that band. Um, but like, w- what do you look for 
out of a producer? Like, what do you want a producer to do for you when you're in a recording situation? I need to be, like, uh, sort of, like, reined in with my ideas. <laughs> and, like, I don't know. And initially, like, obviously, like, I knew the sheepdogs and stuff. And I had, like, grown up being, like, a fan of the sheepdogs. And so I knew that he had that sort of, like, 70s rock and roll music taste but then we shared some like playlists before you know we decided that we were going to work together and like his playlist just had a lot of like folky stuff that was maybe more in a direction a little more radio friendly than the stuff that I usually like want to play yeah and I think it was like a good career decision to sort of let him take that in his hands a little bit more like make things a little bit more like <laughs> relatable to more people yeah who, without who, uh, losing like me in it who who would have uh produced or re recorded your last record uh casey i still worked with jill and at the same studio but casey anderson produced it okay gotcha w was that a, a, a similar relationship then or, or was that quite different that was different like we we had been friends before and and that that recording session was more like chaotic i would say <laughs> like more partying and more yeah so this like i don't know this feels like a more i don't know what the word is i mean both have their benefits yeah yeah this is just a different more more professional i think I, I was going to ask if, if choosing someone who wasn't necessarily, um, you know, a, a close friend beforehand helps to um, e either rein you in more or apply a bit more pressure, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's totally helped. Like, yeah, I mean, I think now Sam and I are pals, but it, yeah, I don't know. It feels good to have somebody be like, no, no, let's, let's focus on this. <laughs> I want to add this. I want to do this. So all I have to do is go in and like record. Right. And then he'll sit there and like listen to takes over and over and over. Then I'll get bored and lay on the ground outside the control room. Like that part <laughs> bores me so much. Yeah. <laughs> is is it, um, is it fairly easy for you to kind of let somebody take the reins or is it, um, d do you have a hard time with that? Depends if I respect them musically or not. <laughs> like, I do respect Sam's music taste a lot, so it's it's been easy, quite easy to let go, because I, I know he's got, like, my best interests in mind. He's not going to take it in a completely different direction. Right. Like, he knows what I like, and he's just adding a little bit of, a little bit of his own stuff in there, which yeah, is good. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we normally feature a track at the end of the episode here. Um, this will probably come out in the first week or so of January. Um, cool. I don't, I don't know if there will be a different single out by then. There um, will be, yeah. Okay. Um, let, let's chat about that one then maybe because it would be nice to feature the most recent one. Sure. Um, that one is... Yeah, no, what's the name of that song? <laughs> uh, it's called... Oh, it's called Did You Have a Love Before... Oh, I don't know if I should add me at the end. Did you have a love before me or did you have a love before? Question mark. What do you think? 
I like it without the me, I think, personally. I'm kind of leaning towards that one, too. Okay, that's what it's going to be called. <laughs> Perfect. So how, yeah. how, uh, how long has that song been, been floating around in your head? Probably less than a year. Okay. Um, yeah, that, kinda, that song was sort of like an exercise in just like picking a topic and trying to write like a little story song. Right. Okay. Do you, uh, do you often, I guess, like, do you like writing story songs as opposed to either, um, slightly more conceptual things or or like, is there Mm. one route that you find yourself, um, enjoying more than others? Not necessarily. Um, story songs are fun. Like they're more fun for me. It feels like less pressure because you just have to like make things sound good but the story is already there so you just have to like weave it into words right do you uh did you have a fairly uh well put together idea of how you wanted this to sound production wise um before you started recording or were you kind of like surprised after it at where it went I was a little surprised there's some omni chord in it like it's a it's a country song but yeah. now it sounds, it still sounds country, but yeah, I think there's like a synth on there. There's some Omnichord, which is cool. I like, I like genre crossovers these days. I, I a friend of mine actually gave me his grandma's Omnichord. What? How did a grandma have an Omnichord? I don't know. I think it was just like she bought it in the nineties or whatever as Whoa. like a, you know, to kind of play church music or whatever at home <laughs> like nice uh but they're they're great for for people who don't know it's like an auto harp um yeah but it's digital it's got like accordion buttons kind of and then it, it's very uh it's a very very fun sound it's super fun yeah you could hear it on the chorus of the song it's like just every so often <laughs> <laughs> It's a little strum, digital strum. Perfect. Well, we're going to listen to a song called uh, Did You Have a Love Before? Probably. That's what it'll that's be it. called. Let's go with that. We'll go with that. Um, <laughs> that's it. You guys heard it right here. Name, named a song live on air. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it is, of course, by Ellen Fraze. Uh, thank you so much for, uh, for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. What a treat. Did you have a love before me? Did you ask her to stay? Did she leave you lonely? Or was it you who walked away? When we first moved in together, you said you were not the Marian.
Inside the Artist Studio is produced by Sean Davis Newton for the Cups and Cakes Network. The featured track, Did You Have a Love Before Me, was played with permission from Ellen Frace. Thanks to Laundry Week for the use of their song, Nothing on My Mind, from the Grimpy EP as both our intro and outro music. Inside the Artist Studio is one of the many ways the Cups and Cakes Network highlights Canadian music. Visit our website, cupsandcakespod.com, to browse our audio, video, and written content. That's cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. Thanks for listening.